Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Well, welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. Uh, we're trying to enter a kind of a series that hopefully you as listeners will find interesting. And that is about ways that insects are beneficial for reasons that are not quite as obvious. So if you're a, a listener of our podcast, you probably um, have an appreciation for insects. We hope that we've given that to you at least. And you might realize that we don't always talk about the bad ones. We try to encourage people to know the good guys and leave the good guys alone. But beyond the obvious, you know, good insects that are predators that eat your bad bugs or the pollinators that help your plants grow, there's a world of insects that do good things or make something that we can use or are used for doing good things. And we are going to be talking about one of those insects in, in this episode. And we have a, a special guest with us today, Dr. Jonathan Comic, who is the chief operating officer of a company that is on its way to using a specific species of insect to help reduce trash and organic waste. And that company is called Evo Conversion Systems. So welcome, Jonathan. First, to start off, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself, what Evo is and, and how insects are are basically y'all's laborers for making the company run. Right. So thank you, Molly and Wizzy, for the invite. Pretty excited about doing this today. Um, it'll be my first podcast, so that's going to be interesting. So a little bit of background about myself. Um, first and foremost, I am an entomologist. You know, I, I love insects. I've been studying insects for a long time. All of my college degrees are in entomology, and the specific portion of entomology that I'm most interested in is decomposition ecology. So basically the biology of something that is rotting. That rotting object is a piece of fruit or um, an animal or some sort of animal waste. It's just one big ecosystem that has a lot of things going on in it. And within our company, Evo, we've been able to harness the power of some of these insects that are decomposers or that eat this rotting material um, so that we can turn this into a beneficial process to help address some of the challenges associated with organic waste um, and also be able to produce a product of value. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, but Evo was founded in 2017 and we really got started in 2018 dealing with our own black soldier fly production. And we, we work with a, a number, number of local um, businesses in Bryan and College Station, a couple of breweries, a distillery and a bakery chain. And we take all of that leftover grain-based waste that they generate for for their food and beverage processes. And we prevent that material from spoiling or going into the landfill and upcycle it with black soldier flies into uh, treats for backyard chickens. For people that don't know, what is organic waste? Oh, sure. So organic waste, um, you know, I guess in its um, most scientific form is um, material that is carbon-based. So basically anything that's alive. So it's not um, organic produce like you would get at the grocery store or a farmer's market. Um, it's essentially anything that was at one point living. Um, so it can be plants, it could be you know vegetables, it could be grass, it could be uh, meat, it could be basically anything that, um, that was alive. Now, what we specifically work with is plant-based material. So soldier flies, are able to consume all sorts of different organic waste types, be it plant or animal based, but they do very well on 
on plant-based material um, and, and they don't grow as well on animal-based material. And also, you know, from a regulatory standpoint, you know, we, we have some hurdles to, to overcome with being able to use animal-based products. Animal feeds are plant-based. Um, and so that's what, from a legal standpoint, we're able to, um, or a regulatory standpoint, solar flies can be raised on. Has it been looked into why they do better on plant versus animal material? Is it something to do with the protein or? I think it's probably, um, you know, more from an evolutionary perspective that they evolved as plant decomposers. I mean, so if you think about the type of material that's abundant in a lot of environments, it could be rotting, wet plant material that's just laying on the ground. So there's an abundance of that material in a lot of environments. Black soldier flies are native to the Americas, kind of in the, the warmer areas. So, you know, there would be a lot of organic material available, you know, leaf litter, stuff like that, that, you know, and other, other plant-based materials that they could be, could be feeding on. So I think it probably points more to the evolutionary history of the insects than anything else, because, you know, from a, from a decomposition standpoint, there are a whole host of insects, such as blowflies that would be eating dead animals, things like that. Um, so like just pure, from a purely competition standpoint, it, it would make more sense for the soldier flies to, to differentiate and, and, you know, be colonizing another resource than, than what, you know, some of these more faster growing insects like blowflies might be eating. Could you tell people what the difference is between a black soldier fly? Like how can they tell what that looks like versus a regular house fly, flesh fly, blow fly? Uh, in both the adult and the larval form, because I think when people hear the word fly, they have something in their brain and that's not really going to work for this. Sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, even myself, I, you know, I'm a little biased in this one. I think, you know, fly, I, my immediate reaction might be, you know, a house fly or another fly that I don't want around just because they're, they're kind of a nuisance. You know, they, they, if you're outside, you know, trying to enjoy the nice weather and grill out or, or, you know, eat outside, you've always got house flies buzzing around you, getting in your face, you know, trying to, trying to harass you. And, and soldier flies are, are kind of the exact opposite of that. That you know they're they're not quite as interested in in you know you sitting outside eating a hamburger or something so they they wouldn't be bothering you which is nice so what they look like uh, blowflies are metallic so usually bright green bright blue very charismatic very beautiful flies house flies typically kind of gray and yellow flesh flies also gray with some stripes on their their thorax but soldier flies are are relatively large when it comes to flies. You know, they can get maybe the adults, maybe an inch to an inch and a half long, um, depending on, you know, what they fed on. And they're, as their name suggests, the black soldier fly, they're almost solid black. They do have a, a very interesting pattern on their abdomen. There's these little translucent panels that make them kind of mimic a sphesid or a thread-waisted wasp. Um, so they kind of look like a mud dauber or something if you were just look at them from above. But since they're a fly, they don't have a stinger. They can't injure you like that. So I'm sure most of the listeners in our area have probably seen black soldier flies around a compost pile or, you know, even just kind of outside in general, because they are present in the environment. Most people might think that it was a wasp when really they're not. They do kind of walk around and move their antennae around kind of like a wasp would, but they're harmless. Well, and they also like when I think about like house flies and blow flies and flesh flies, when they're at rest, they kind of have their wings over their abdomen and kind of, and they form like kind of a triangle shape, but with soldier flies, they're more streamlined. So they have their wings kind of completely folded over their abdomen and tucked in. And so it's kind of a straighter 
line, in my opinion. Yeah, completely flat over over their thorax and abdomen. So they're they're more uh, you know kind of a, a rectangle or a, a pencil shape than than some of the blowflies that and, and and other flies that hold their wings out at more of an angle. Yeah, when they're at rest. Yeah, yeah. and the larvae look completely different. Yeah, completely different. Um, I. I think that if anybody has ever um, had a compost pile and, and flipped it open, they've likely seen soldier flies there. Yeah. They're these very, uh, very robust, very large, wide, flattened larvae. They've, they're segmented like all insects are, but one of the really cool features about them that that's hard to see unless you're up close and personal with them is they're actually covered in all of these tiny little seedier hairs on all of their segments. So they've got a row of probably, I don't know, eight to 10 that, that go across their back on, on each segment. They're kind of these bright, reddish brown colored CDs. So they, when you have a, a picture of a nice clean black soldier fly, it's, it's, you know, really quite impressive because there's so much, you know, detail and, and so many morphological features on them that wouldn't see if we just flipped over something that was rotting and saw them writhing around in that, that nasty mess. See, I love this so much because you're talking about like the beauty of essentially maggots and like these dead carcass eating flies and stuff like that. And I it just, see that just makes you perfect for this because <laughs> yeah and i think one of the coolest things about black soldier flies is their eyes have these the adults their eyes have these amazing color patterns on them so if you were to look at a picture of one head on you know their eyes are black but they have these very beautiful like bright green and purple and blue uh, stripes that go across their eyes yeah, it reminds Ooh. me of like an oil slick you know how you get water oh, yeah. on and it kind of does that iridescence yeah, I've never thought about it that way, but yeah, they're they're beautiful. It's they're it's pretty cool to see, you know, up close how different they look than you know if you were just to see one sitting on the wall or on a fence post or something. It's it's crazy. So if somebody sees black soldier flies in their compost, then you would tell them leave it alone, right? Because it's that's what they're meant to do, isn't it? Yeah, definitely leave it alone. They're they're there to help you out, and I think that's one of the you know a very good thing to to tell people is you know if you see these large wide larvae or or maggots crawling around in your in your compost pile, they're there to help. They're they're eating that organic material, whether it's the you know the scraps off of your your vegetables or or bread that started to mold that you throw into it or or grass clippings. I mean, whatever. They're there to help eat it and break it down. They're definitely helping the composting process. Um, they're speeding it up a little bit. They're they're helping break down those nutrients um, so that you can get a a better product at the end to use if you're making that material for your home gardening or or some of your potted plants. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely helpful. Do they have a certain um, like moisture level and temperature? I mean, I, I'm there's always a range, and it seems like with compost, if it's really wet, you get certain insects. If it's dry, you get different insects. So, where is that kind of optimal area for soldier flies? Probably the best way to answer that question is, um, and, and it was kind of it kind of pointed to, or was kind of brought up in, in your question about you know too wet versus too dry. Um, so. When compost is done properly, there shouldn't be any. Which is not my compost. Yeah, yeah. and you know mine either. I'm an entomologist, so you know I'm bring on the bugs, right? But um, (laughs) if if compost is done properly, there there shouldn't be any insects because the composting process is done basically by bacteria consuming the carbon and, and other nutrients that are present in that material. They require oxygen, so that's why if you think of composting facilities or even a compost bin, it's something that's got to be turned. That way you can constantly move it and constantly have the bacteria in contact with oxygen and those nutrients. So if if you're composting the way you should, and I'll put should in air quotes, but you know, as you indicated, if if a pile of organic matter, whether it's compost or rotting vegetables is too wet, you're going to have a whole host of, of insects that want to come in and eat that material just because it's what they're 
designed to do. It's you eat those, those types of resources. So if material is too wet, you can definitely expect to see all sorts of flies, whether it's soldier flies or blow flies or house flies or fruit flies, just a whole range of, of insects. So there, there's kind of a kind of like a Goldilocks sweet spot, I guess, you know, if you will, for raising black soldier flies in terms of temperature and moisture content. So traditional composting can get extremely hot, like, you know, 140, 150 degrees whilst those bacteria are, are, are working away on that material. And that's way too hot for insects to be able to, to colonize. Now for, um, for black soldier flies, they, they do great here um, in Texas and in the Southern United States, because throughout most of the year, we have temperatures that evolutionarily they're used to because they're native to this area. 70 to 80 degrees is, is perfect for black soldier flies to, to be able to, to thrive and to be able to, to eat material. And in terms of moisture content, so most fly larvae don't have, they don't have teeth, if you will. They don't have functioning mandibles or mouth parts for they can chew things. Um, so they eat material that's in kind of a liquid form. So that's typically why you would associate flies uh, or fly larvae with rotting material that is very wet because that's what they have to, to be able to, to ingest, to be able to consume that material. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that they compost things way faster. They're, they're like, they help aid the process of compost. And I know this would depend on how much food is available, what the type of food and how many soldier flies are actually in there. But, um, could you just kind of explain how quick they are? And I'm thinking in particular of that video that I think it came out of y'all's lab at A&M, right? Where they videoed uh, the soldier flies eating a whole pizza or just a piece of pizza. And it's like time-lapsed. Oh, so, you know, pizza and um, pizza and donut were um, time-lapse videos. Those didn't come from, from our lab. That came from a lab at Georgia Tech. It was a, okay. a research group that was working on feeding mechanics with soldier flies. But yeah, they're extremely good at eating. That's what the, the larval form of, of most insects are, are kind of designed to do is eat as much as possible in as, as short of amount of time as possible. But you could take, let's say, 15 to 20 pounds of some sort of organic waste, whether that's fruits and vegetables or leftover grains from beer brewing, and you could feed that to soldier flies and, and they could eat that material in seven to 10 days if you know they're kept it. 75, 80 degrees. It's, it's pretty amazing. And in addition, you know, they can break that material down, um, you know, very rapidly, but they also reduce the amount of mass of that material. So if we were to start with a hundred pounds of any one of those waste items, when the soldier flies were done eating it, we would have approximately 35 to 45 pounds of, of material left over or insect frass. That's the technical term for insect manure. And that's what would be left over after they, they ate that. And there's still going to be a lot of nutrients present in that material. So it makes it a great resource to, to be able to add to potting mix for growing potted plants or to mix into raised beds in your garden to kind of serve as a a natural supplement to provide some more nutrients to, to those plants that you're trying to grow. So a hundred pounds of waste down to 35 pounds of waste after they eat it all up. And then so there would be mass in the soldier flies, but then like you said, you can upcycle them, which is a term that I've only ever heard from you. I love that. I always forget it. And then I always remember it when you say it, but I think that's a cool term and y'all turn it into feed or treats really for chicken. It, you Y'all don't grind it up into like chicken food. It's mainly just roasted soldier flies that you can give to poultry and really any bird, right? Yep. Uh, so yeah, poultry, um, all, all sorts of things, basically anything that eats insects could eat them. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if we go back to that 100 pound example of, let's say hundred pounds of grain from a brewery, 
after the soldier flies eat it, we would have probably 38, 40 pounds of frass left over. And then we would, would have probably 20 ish pounds of live black soldier fly larvae. And, and then the difference there between that, what is that about 50, the additional 40 pounds of material that, you know, is just mass that's lost to the air as, uh, you know, either moisture loss or compounds that are volatilizing as, as they're consuming it. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's just other material that, that I don't want to say disappears, but changes form and, and goes into the environment after they, or during the process of them consuming it. But yeah, so we, um, we take that, those soldier flies after they've eaten those organic byproducts and, and we dry them into treats for backyard chickens, but anything really could eat them, whether it's uh, chickens, ducks, your bearded dragon, you know, mm-hmm. and chameleons, any, any sort of reptiles that. Um, do you have to dry them out to do that? Or could you feed them live? Uh, so there are companies that feed um, or that raise black soldier flies um, for specifically for reptiles. Um, so there's a lot of reptiles that you know have to eat things that are alive because they're attracted to the movement. So there are companies that do that. See, that's what I was yeah. thinking because we we have a leopard gecko in the house, and I was like, "Ooh, I can start doing that." Yeah, definitely. Leopard geckos eat them. Uh, bearded dragons. Uh, that's probably about the extent of the number of lizards that you know that people keep that I know the name of. Or like you know, the veiled chameleon, other things like that. But yeah, all sorts of reptiles. I've even gotten my tarantulas when they're hungry enough. I've gotten my tarantulas to go after them if I've got real big larvae, and I uh-huh. put them in like a pan so they don't burrow down. But for the poultry, so I am a, uh, I am a customer of popworms. We have, we have chickens and we feed them to our chickens and they love them. My dogs like to get into the popworms if the kids don't close the bag up too. So I know dogs will eat them, (laughs) but a lot of people will buy mealworms and things at, at the feed store, but really soldier flies for a number of different reasons, nutrition, but also it's helping the environment. If you're purchasing popworms, right? Soldier flies are better than uh, using mealworms as a treat for, for the poultry, right? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's a bit of a loaded question. I'm a little biased there, you know, so, I mean, I, I will have to answer yes to that question. Well, but you would think, I mean, I would think logically about the whole chitin on the exoskeleton versus the internal structure, just the way that a mealworm is set up versus a soldier fly, right? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, likely more digestible because there's less chitin, you know, there aren't many organisms that can digest chitins from a, um, a morphological or physiological standpoint. A soldier fly larva is much different from a, a mealworm or which is a beetle larva. So nutritionally, they're, they're probably a little easier to digest for a lot of animals, but from an environmental standpoint, black soldier flies are, are taking this material that could otherwise, you know, be a waste stream and be rotting in the environment. And we're, we're helping reduce that material to a smaller volume and, and prevent that material from going into the environment and, and causing pollution issues or greenhouse gas, gas issues. Not to say that, you know, mealworms are bad, right? Because they do have a purpose, but for the most part, commercial mealworm farming is either done with a formulated feed or, or a, a feed-based product that could be fed to other animals like traditional livestock. So I think with soldier flies, we've kind of got a, you know, a win-win, if you will, because we're taking a material that would, would, that could be a waste um, or is wasted and preventing it from, from causing further harm to the environment by allowing the soldier flies to use their, their biology and their natural processes to eat that material and turn it into their biomass that we can then feed to other animals. So it can help alleviate some of the strain on agricultural production for protein requirements for, for animal agriculture, and also potentially free up some more resources know, soybean, cornmeal, things like that to, to be able to feed more animals or, or feed more people. And if you don't have 
poultry or chickens, even just wild birds can, can eat it too. So if you're a lover of, you know, seeing your Cardinals come to your bird feeders and things, then you can throw out some popworms for, for those guys. Yeah, also. I know we have some customers that tell us that, you know, that, that they do that particular, some, uh, some that are, you know, located in areas that are much colder than Texas in the Northern part of the United States, where it snows more often when it's cold. One of the big impacts to, to wild birds is they, they need, they need protein and they need water. I've gotten emails from some of our customers saying that, you know, we, we throw them out for the, for the birds to eat when it starts to snow really bad, you know, so because they're out foraging and they can't get to any living insects under the snow. So definitely. I need to send some to my mom. You should. So we're, if Wizzy wanted to buy some, do, can you get them at the store? Like, are they at tractor supply or is it mainly online to purchase? Yeah. So, um, Mainly online to purchase. Um, our website is popworms.com, P-O-P-W-O-R-M-S. We're in approximately 40 feed stores across the Southern United States. Um, most of those are in Texas because we're a Texas-based company, but most of our sales do happen online, but we're, we're, we're in a number of feed stores. So you can go to our website. There's a little tab on there. This is buy-in store. It'll pull up a map for you and it'll show you, you know, all the feed stores that currently carry our, our dry products, the Popworms Eco and Popworms Pro. And you, know, you can see if one of those is near you. And if not, you can order them online. We ship out all the time. Mm-hmm. That's how I get them. I usually get them online. Since y'all started getting into more and more stores, because I know that's kind of uh, not really a newer thing, but it, it since the, the advent of Popworms, it, you know, initially it was all online sales. Now that y'all are in more and more stores, are you ever at risk of running out of soldier flies or do you just have tons of them because of all the food waste that's out there? That's a, an interesting question. So, you know, one of the, um, I, I'll, I'll go back to, uh, I think back to last year when we had that big, that big storm that came through in February, you know, one of the, uh, the best things that I guess could have happened to us did. And that's, we got a, a, a big shipment of grain from one of the local breweries right you know, at the beginning of February. So we had a, a whole bunch of material available that we could feed to the soldier flies to be able to produce a lot of insects. But then since everything was kind of frozen here, we couldn't get into work to do anything with them. So we were shut down for, for a week. So there, there are things like that that are out of our control. For example, a piece of equipment goes down at one of the breweries that we work with or the distillery or the bakery, you know, then they're not able to, to generate their products. And so then therefore we're not able to get their waste streams to to feed to the soldier flies. So it's, it's kind of a balance, you know, in, in terms of how to, to manage all of that, but that's also why we have kind of diversified those different waste streams and those different partners that we work with to get that material, you know, with multiple breweries, a distillery, and then a bakery chain. So we're trying to always make sure that, you know, if, if one of those parts goes down, you know, that we, we still have enough input material to be able to, to feed to the soldier flies to, to keep raising them. I not only do y'all sell the the roasted or dried out soldier flies as treats, but you can also purchase and I have bins to, and I think Wizzy got one too, a soldier fly bin. No, I I haven't yet because Alan's still throwing a fit, but you know, it, it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, just tell him that I have mine right outside the back door and Casey hasn't caught on to the fact that the flies flying around inside our bedroom are the soldier flies that have pupated and moved into a warmer spot. Hopefully Casey doesn't listen to this. uh, Although Alan is an entomologist, so he might figure it out, but (laughs) I haven't gotten in trouble yet. But anyway, you can, you can purchase if you don't want to, if you want to just raise soldier flies yourself to either put into your compost or 
I mean, honestly, just to watch the life cycle is kind of cool. If, if that's, if you have kids and you want to learn about the complete life cycle of a different insect, other than a butterfly, you, you guys have these soldier fly bins that you can put your food waste into and they just find it. Right. I mean, like all I do is to get them going a little faster, I'll put wet deer corn in there, which is probably not a good idea because it gets really stinky, but it gets them going in there like super fast. And then I just keep throwing like my, you know, carrot scraps and other scraps in there after that. And people can buy that bin off of popworms.com website also. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I, one caveat, that's not a product that we make. It's a product that we, um, you know, resell because there are a, we're not resell. We actually just have them shipped straight from the manufacturer because we know the, the manufacturer of that product. And it's just, you know, kind of consolidating information and products for people to be able to raise black soldier flies at home themselves. There's this object, if you will, called the biopod. It's a bin that you can throw your food scraps into. And if you're in an area where there's a lot of black soldier flies present, you could you know, cross your fingers and hope that they're going to like the smell of what you've got, you know, going in there and that they're going to come and, and lay their eggs so that you can start generating solar flies. Alternatively, um, also on our website, we sell live black solar fly larvae for people to, to buy, to kind of uh, kickstart that process, to kind of get their own population established um, in their local environment. So you could get, get a bin, um, you could either buy one online. There's all sorts of resources available online on how to build your own. There's even a, a post on our blog from Oh, a long time ago at this point, maybe in November, 2018, uh, his own bin. And it's got a little chute that the um, black soldier fly larvae crawl up when they're through feeding. And it, they, they fall out of a piece of pipe um, right into a pan in the pen with his chickens. So, you know, the chickens know that to stand there and wait for the, for the black soldier fly larvae. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, Neat. Like those little reward things that you see where they do the maze and they smack the button and they yeah. get something that comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's all sorts of things that, that people could do, you know, whether it's buy something, if you're, you know, more industrious and like to do things yourself, I mean, you can build your own and it doesn't even have to be something fancy. It could just be a, you know, 30 gallon tote from. See, that's, that's what I was, I was going to build my own. I have a, a bin, like I bought the tote bin last year, but I still need to get like the PVC pipe and all that stuff and actually build it. But I, I've been having this argument with my husband because the cockroaches are at the house right now. And he's just like, you know, we have enough stuff going on here. We don't need anything else. So how feasible is this for a homeowner to do? I mean, I, when I was looking at the stuff and researching this online, I mean, obviously the biopod, which I think is what you have Molly, right? Yes, I do. So that one you just purchase and you throw out and you put the stuff in it, but how much care, like how much input is this? If somebody's like a regular composter or if they do like vermiculture with earthworms, is this another way that they can start composting and getting material? Would it be too much of them to upkeep that they would need to focus on one or two of those things? Or do you know? Yeah. So, um, Okay, so I'll give you my opinion because, you know, I don't study compost and, and, you know, or earthworms for vermicompost and all that stuff. But, you know, I think they can all work together. So, you know, if you were to take the, the raw materials, if you will, or, the, you know, the food scraps, the whatever vegetables you're, you're chopping up, you know, whatever material you would be composting, if you were to feed that to soldier flies first, you know, they'll be able to accumulate that into their biomass. And then you can have those larvae to feed to your chickens, the, you know, the birds in your backyard, um, you know, whatever. 
and then they reduce that material. Um, so then you've got a, a smaller biomass to to uh, to worry about having to compost. So you could take the the waste material from the soldier flies and then put that into the regular compost pile. Yep. Yeah. So there's still a lot of nutrients left in that material, and it's also a smaller volume, smaller mass. Um, you know, then you can let the bacteria do their process to compost it. You know, or you could even potentially, if you're doing vermicomposting, you could feed that to the earthworms and let them process That's it. Brilliant. So yeah, I think the I think they can all work together. And they make uh, they produce a lot of moisture. Like there's a lot of liquid that comes off of it. Was you mentioned having to use a PVC pipe? The the um, pod that I have has a little. Uh, spout that comes off of it, like a, drain. a drain. There you go. And um, it has a clamp so you can close it off. And I had left my pod in a, in a space that um, in a spot when it rained real hard, a lot of moisture, a lot of water got into it. And so I had to drain it and that stuff is rich. So if you like compost tea, you're, you're basically producing like oh, the most concentrated brilliant. compost tea you can imagine. And sometimes when I clean mine out, I'll do the same thing. I'll just squirt water in there to try to flush it out a little bit and just let that spout go. And if, and where I set it on my patio, there's a little patch of grass that's always taller than the rest of it because it's got (laughs) like, that's how I realized that, man, this stuff is, is gold. But so a lot of people do compost tea. And so these guys kind of help make that in, I think in like uber concentrated form. Okay. So people in my area, this, this is the thing that we need to do in 2022. We need to, everybody get a black soldier fly bin and kick it into your yard and we'll start composting. I mean, cause I know Austin, the city of Austin has a plan to be zero waste by 2040. So this was certainly fit into that because they have the whole like chicken backyard chicken program and, you know, feeding them food scraps and stuff. This again, it's just like, it's a whole process that this will fit perfectly into yeah. all of that. Yeah. Again, I'm a little biased here, but you know, I think feed those food scraps to some black soldier flies. That way you can feed the black soldier flies to the chickens. And then, you know, you can generate this nutrient rich, um, you know, insect frass that you can then throw into your raised beds in your garden to help, you know, grow more vegetables. That way you can be a little more sustainable yourself, do a little bit better for the environment, you know, grow some of your own food. It's like a perpetual recycling cycle, you know, like you, Something makes something that then gets used. Yeah I, yeah, I love this. And they're really not that gross of an insect. I mean, I know they're maggots and things, but if you get beyond the, the idea of that and you recognize that they're not like a blowfly maggot, those guys are kind of gross. These are clean. And even if they are in that compost, you rinse them off with some water. And since they live in a pretty aquatic space, you can give them a bath and then scoop them out of there and they'll, they'll be fine. And then you can, you know, it's your chickens. They don't care what they eat. They eat all sorts of nasty stuff. One word of caution to to anybody listening. If you do, um, you know, as Molly, you just said, give the soldier fly larvae a bath. Um, I would say just do that outside because if you get a bowl full of black soldier fly larvae soaking wet, there's no way you're going to keep them in that bowl. So, you know, take the, take the advice of some, some friends of mine that tried that in their own kitchen. Don't do it inside. Yeah. (laughs) That is an outside only project. One of the main reasons why I have the soldier fly bin, because um, honestly, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to be digging through there and feeding them to the chickens. I'll do the spout and some of them will shoot out and then they'll you know go after and eat it. But I usually just buy them roasted already. But I, I do that because I think it's cool and I can put my compost in there. But then we use those soldier flies in our camps because there's a yeah. and youth activities because there's this activity that I think is trademarked, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Called maggot art. And so in the summertime, I will send 
two camp helpers with gloves over to the bin and tell them dig through that nasty stuff that smells like poop in there and dig out some of these worms for me and clean them off. And you're right. If they don't, if we don't have like a, I made like, you know, like taking cool whip containers and then just poked them with, with like a, a needle, you know? So I've got little tiny holes that the water can go through, but they can't squeeze their body through. But if you don't do that, then they're all over the place and they scatter to all four corners of whatever room you're in. And they're everywhere. If you're not careful, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, if they're wet enough, they can climb straight up a wall. <laughs> I've seen them go nine feet up a wall no. and, and fall off because they hit the ceiling and they couldn't go any further. <laughs> like, so it's, there's an angle. I can't move it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And if y'all are wondering what maggot art is, it's just so, so some, I, do you know what university she came out of? Was it Ohio state? I uh, know uh, she was at, um, I believe UC Davis, um, Rebecca O'Flaherty. She, uh, was doing it with, um, with blowfly larvae, um, to start she would, you know, take them and dip them in and paint and drop them on paper and, and, uh, you know, a lot of insects, um, they're either attracted to or repelled by light. So you can kind of get some really cool pattern. Wow. But yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, you, you could set up a, a, you know, a lamp, you know, on the end of the table or something that you've yeah. got this piece of paper on and drop the larvae on it. And depending on what stage yeah. of their life they're in or, or, you know, what species they are, they might crawl towards the light. They might crawl away from the light. You know, you could get creative and move the light around the piece of paper, you know, as they're crawling and you make them crawl in a circle. I mean, it's all sorts of things you can do. I need to change up what we do at our camps. We just give the kids a few dots of paint, drop, give them, you know, four or five uh, uh, soldier fly larvae tell them that their job is to pick them up and move them back into the paint so they don't crawl all over the classroom, but I should give them like flashlights mm-hmm. or, or, you know, give them other types of lights and see if we can get them to write their name or I don't know, chase <laughs> them in a circle or I, that I need to, I need to add that now I can add 30 more minutes onto that activity. Now if I do that. Yeah. Well, you could also do like different kinds of lights, like do white light and black light, and then like do a red one and, and see how they're reacting to the different wavelengths. Yeah. It wouldn't just be a craft now. It would actually be an experience activity. Thank you. I'm going to write that down (laughs) and add that to my camp agenda. (laughs) Now I need to go purchase a bunch of different types of lights. Okay. So I have a question and I know that this would have some sort of governmental regulation on it, but I know that there are a lot of humans that feed or eat insects around the world. And I know that a lot of times it's a better protein source when you think about input versus the amount of protein that you get out of. Would soldier flies be a possible source of food for humans? And I'm not saying like now, but in the future, if we go more down that road, I know that there's a big movement with crickets right now, but these sound so much easier to deal with than raising crickets because I've done crickets before and they're a pain in the butt and they're so finicky and delicate and smelly. They do smell. So, I, I mean, I'm just thinking that this would be a really great resource because again, you're, it, it's like a closed cycle system. You're putting in waste material and getting and you're gut loading them with all of these like vegetables that you're recycling. And then you would be getting that out of it. So, I mean, if you did this in a certain way, like processing, and like I said, you would have to go through all of the FDA regulations and all that stuff, but would that be a feasible source of protein? I think it would be, um, I mean, but to, you know, kind of play devil's advocate here. Um, I think it's more beneficial to the environment 
and to society and agriculture as a whole to be able to feed them to livestock. And, you know, whether that livestock are broiler chickens that are being raised to, you know, those are the chickens that we eat or um, layer chickens that are the chickens that are producing eggs. I think we can have more of an impact on the environment and a better impact and a better utilization of these different resources by raising soldier flies on these, these different byproducts or waste streams and being able to, to turn that material into protein that could be feeding the animals. Because if we can remove you know, a small portion of the, the protein that is going into chicken feed, whether that's, you know, soy-based protein or fish meal-based protein. I mean, we're basically alleviating the strain on the environment that those two industries currently facing, you know, to, to try to keep up with the demand for animal agriculture. So, you know, then we might have more soy meal available for, for products for other animals or products for people, you know, more fish meal available for, for other animal feeds, or, you know, maybe we can reduce our reliance on fish meal to give the oceans a break, if you will, and start to rebuild, you know, some of the damage that, that our industries, um, you know, that go out and, and collect fish for, for fish meal have, have caused. So I think the, I think the environmental impacts of using soldier flies for animal feed are, are where we're going to see the, the greatest benefit. And you make a good point. It's not really taking away business or taking anything away from those already existing industries. It's just alleviating some of their stress to get back to maybe the way it was before at the same token, kind of alleviating a lot of the stress that they are putting on the environment by having to go above and beyond what they maybe even want to, to provide food for all the people that need the food for, you know, in the form of livestock. Definitely. All right. So then in closing, if you got chickens, go get yourself some popworms. If you have wild birds that you like to feed, get yourself some popworms <laughs> <laughs> and you can purchase popworms or you can figure out where they sell it in store on popworms.com. Yes. P-O-P-W-O-R-M-S. And then um, that's a separate web website from Evo, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So popworms is um, kind of the brand of, um, or a product line that, that Evo produces. And, and Evo does a lot of things, you know, in, in terms of black soldier fly production, uh, kind of linking um, companies and individuals around the world that are interested in producing black soldier flies at a very large scale to, to the resources to be able to do that. So Popworms is kind of the consumer side of, of what we do. And so if they want to read up more about what Evo is and what it's doing, that website is? Yes, that is E-V-O-C-O-N-S-Y-S.com. There you go. And thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us this week. Thank you. Thanks for teaching us all about soldier flies and popworms and the use of an insect that you wouldn't normally think of as being beneficial and how we can use it to really do some really good things in the world. Yep. Thank you for the invite. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week on Bugs by the Yard and we'll catch you next time.